Welcome to episode 146 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber. Paul Herman is not with me for this episode. I am flying solo as I did a few weeks back, and it's for the same reason, although not exactly the same. I'm not traveling, but I do have a very tight schedule this week, and so it left me with limited windows in which I could record, and there weren't going to be any in which Paul would be able to join me. But there's a big news topic that emerged this week that I want to make sure we address before too long. And also, it really leans toward the business talk that tends to be my specialty on this podcast. So hopefully you enjoy it. I am going to talk about Marvel Television and the latest implications, the latest information on what it means with Marvel Television being absorbed into Marvel Studios as Kevin Feige has become Chief Creative Officer of all things Marvel, as we learned a couple of months ago. But before I get into that, I do have an announcement to make, and it's the kind of announcement where you got to act fast. So I am recording this episode on the afternoon of Wednesday, December 11th, and on the evening of December 11th, so tonight, we are having a watch party on our Patreon-exclusive Discord. It's a watch party for Iron Man 3. It's going to be tonight, Wednesday, December 11th, at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So that's just a few hours from the time I'm recording this, less time between the uh, when you're actually hearing this episode and when the watch party actually begins. So if you listen to this episode right when it dropped, then you're well aware and maybe still have some time to act. If you listen to it hours after it dropped or a day after it dropped, well then, this information is not going to be much help. Of course, if you already are a member of our Patreon-exclusive Discord community, then you got this announcement long ago. That's also part of the reason why I've waived the normal 24-hour period where this sh- these shows are exclusive to our Patreon members. Usually there's a 24-hour window, but I went ahead and I'm, I'm making this episode available to everyone at the same time, just so everyone has an opportunity to hear about the watch party. But there's more to our Patreon than just watch parties, although we're starting to do these on a monthly basis. They've been a lot of fun. It's just a live voice chat as we all watch the movie. We get into a group and we talk about the movie and anything else Marvel-related that pops up as the movie plays for all of us, of course, in the uh, in the background. But speaking of our Patreon, before I share any additional information about that, let me say thank you very much to Katie and Christian Daniel. They are the latest members of our Marvel Studios News Patreon, which means not only do they have access to events like the Watch Party on the Patreon-exclusive Discord, but they also have access to exclusive content that's not available anywhere else, from Patreon credit scenes, where we take our main episodes, and then we usually do have an additional conversation On top of that, it may be related to what we discussed on the main episode. It may not be. We also have Q&A shows. We have have the Daily Bugle, which is a Monday through Friday news show. In fact, there was a a super size or a giant size, to being Marvel appropriate, there was a giant size edition of the Daily Bugle that was actually a makeup episode that I posted over the weekend covering all of the big revelations, all of the big news from Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios at CCXP 2019 in Brazil over the weekend. Paul and I are definitely going to be addressing a lot of what was revealed there. So that's coming up on the main podcast, but it's just an example of the things that we also cover on the Daily Bugle. And we have open Q&A shows for questions that don't necessarily have to be related to the Marvel Cinematic Universe when those things come up for Star Wars or DC or whatever it may be. And if you are a member of our Patreon and you are getting exclusive content, you also get a private RSS feed that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, and you can subscribe to the show that way so you get the main podcast and all the Patreon exclusives. It's all in one feed. You don't have to track it down in multiple places. For more information on that, as well as all of the different exclusives and tiers that we offer, please visit patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Okay, with that announcement there, and speaking of which, I do hope to see slash hear many of you at the watch party for Iron Man 3 tonight, if you're listening listening to this in time to be able to, uh, to participate. If not, hopefully we'll catch you on the next one. So the big story, of course, is Marvel Television. And that the division, as we know it, is going away. Now, not all of this is really all that new. Some of this was easily anticipated or was just flat out reported. But I think what we're finding out now is the extent to which this is happening. What are what's the full fallout of this? And I don't know that we we completely have uh, the picture filled in just yet. But we know more this week than we did previously. So what did we already know? 
Well, we already knew that both Marvel Television and Marvel Family Entertainment, that's the group that covers animation, we already knew that they were being folded into Marvel Studios. They were going to go under the Marvel Studios banner, which may, which means that Kevin Feige, as the chief creative officer of Marvel, was going to be in charge of creative on those uh, on those entities as part of Marvel Studios. So Kevin Feige, who had been in charge of creative, of course, on the big screen for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we already knew that he had creative control on some small screen stuff, the Disney Plus series that Marvel Studios is doing, but now he was going to have creative control over all things small screen for Marvel, over all things big screen for Marvel, as he already had, as well as publishing, which includes Marvel Comics. We've known about all of that since October 15th. That's when it was first reported that Kevin Feige was taking this new role of not just being the president of Marvel Studios, but also being the chief creative officer of Marvel. We learned soon after that that head of Marvel Television, Jeff Loeb, was expected to leave the company by the end of the year. That's something that a lot of people, including Paul and myself, I think we speculated about right away. We did a show after Kevin Feige got this new position as the chief creative officer of Marvel, and we talked about a lot of these things. So I don't want to rehash too much of what we've already said, but I do want to recap at least some of it to provide as clear of a picture as I can. So again, we already knew that Marvel Television and Marvel Family Entertainment, and I'm just going to focus more on Marvel Television for this, but we already knew that Marvel Television was being folded into Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige was going to be in charge, and we knew that Jeff Loeb was expected to exit the company. So what we now know is a little bit, we know more details about this. We already knew that there was consolidation happening, that Marvel Television was being absorbed into Marvel Studios, but now we know a little bit more about what exactly that means. And effectively, it means that Marvel Television, as we've known it for the past several years, is being shut down. Now, it may just be a matter of semantics. Some outlets are saying shut down. Some outlets are saying that it, it's just it's done or that it will still exist, but in some different form under Marvel Studios. But effectively, as it was previously and perhaps still currently structured, that Marvel television is no more. The projects that are currently in production from this division, which include Hellstrom for Hulu, as well as the Offenders animated series for Hulu. So that's Howard the Duck, Modoc, Hitmonkey, Tigra, and Dazzler, although more on that as the show goes on. Uh, but those four shows, plus the fifth show, which is an Offenders team-up of the characters of the the headliners of those four animated series for Hulu, those are TVMA animated series, those are still moving forward along with the live-action Hellstrom series. Anything that's already been produced and is yet to air, so that's The Runaways on Hulu or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, those are still going to air as planned. Any further development on any new projects, however, is being scrapped, as was confirmed by a Marvel Television spokesperson to Deadline, and they said it in no uncertain terms, quote, The decision has been made to complete Marvel TV projects that are currently in production, but not continue with any further development, end quote. So that spells it out as clearly as you can. Now, anytime you talk about corporate consolidation, it is usually paired with job loss. And this situation is no different. So according to The Hollywood Reporter, approximately two dozen Marvel television employees are expected to be let go. Jeff Loeb is still expected to leave the company, although his last day is still unknown. It appears he is staying on through this transition. Marvel television senior vice president of current programming and production, Kareem Zriek, he, he and his team are staying. They are joining Marvel Studios, and per deadline, they are going to oversee the remaining Marvel TV shows that are already on the books. I haven't seen any reporting on what they're expected to do after that, or if perhaps they may ultimately end up being laid off as well. I'm not sure where that goes from here. But as of right now, we have uh, these, this unfortunate situation of approximately two dozen people having to be laid off. And I want to make it clear that as I go through this whole situation and talk about Marvel Television and the history of Marvel Television, the current state of Marvel Television, how we got to this point, I don't want anyone to think I'm losing sight of the human element here. 
as someone who's been laid off, I know exactly how much that hurts. I know that feeling, not that it's the same for everybody, but I've been through an experience like that before. It's very, very difficult. And of course, I feel for anybody who is going through that as a result of this situation. Now, according to Variety, they wrote in their coverage that Marvel Television will not cease to exist but I don't really know what that means because other th I don't know what that can mean other than perhaps Marvel Studios with one banner still making content for the small screen outside of Disney Plus and perhaps also outside of Hulu. Variety says there's still a Marvel show in development at ABC, but I don't know how much that really means given ABC's track record with Marvel shows, but more on that later. So let's get to... One of the bigger questions that I've seen going around uh, regarding this situation and Marvel Television being absorbed by Marvel Studios and, and effectively going away as we knew it, did Marvel Studios kill Marvel Television? Is this part of some ultimate power play with Marvel Studios and Marvel Television previously being separate and now being brought under uh, Kevin Feige and his leadership? Is there some sort of malicious corporate scheming at play here? And the answer to that question is no. Consolidation is inevitable. It's something that's happening throughout the industry, and it's going to continue. And in the case of Marvel Television specifically, that division was already struggling. It was already in a very weak position. So let's look at a Marvel Television snapshot today. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which kicked off this entire era for Marvel Television back in September of 2013, that show is effectively done. It only has one season left, and they've already shot it. It's just a matter of finishing it up, delivering the show if they haven't already, and then airing that final season sometime next year on ABC. That's all that's left with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It is effectively done. It's the same for Runaways. That show is going to begin its third and final season, begin airing its third and final season on Hulu this week. Marvel Television also wrapped up Legion earlier this year, which aired its third and final season on FX. And then the other active projects besides Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Runaways, which are active, sort of, but they're just about done. The only active shows that are in production are Hellstrom, a live-action series for Hulu, and then those Offender series, Howard the Duck, Modoc, Hitmonkey, Tigra and Dazzler, which is currently on hold while they look for a new showrunner and writing staff, but they are intent on Hulu and Marvel remain intent on actually making that show. So it doesn't look like it's going to go away. It looks like that one's still happening. And then those four series, Howard the Duck, Modoc, Hitmonkey, and then Tigra and Dazzler, they will come together for the Offenders series. Those are, again, the TV anim the TVMA animated shows for Hulu to go along with the live-action Hellstrom. When I say go along with, I don't actually mean that they are in continuity with one another. That's not something that we know, and I don't actually expect that to happen. Continuing on with the Marvel Television snapshot, let's look at cancellations. Cloak and Dagger was canceled by Freeform after two seasons. All of the Netflix series have been canceled. So Daredevil after three seasons, Jessica Jones after three seasons, Luke Cage after two seasons, Iron Fist after two seasons, The Defenders, which brought all of those together after one season, and The Punisher after two seasons. Moving over to ABC, Inhumans, of course, was canceled after one season, or it was a limited series event that could have had a second season and never had one because the show was critically panned and didn't perform well in the ratings either. The Gifted, which Marvel Television produced for Fox, that was canceled after two seasons, and if we go back years ago, Agent Carter was canceled after two seasons on ABC. Now let's look back at the shows that never quite got off the ground. Most recently, an example of that would be Ghost Rider. That was ordered straight to series by Hulu, and then it was canceled due to creative differences. There's been some speculation that maybe this show was canceled because Marvel Studios might have other plans for Ghost Rider. That's possible, but that's not what's actually been reported, and we don't know that to be a fact, so... All we know is that there, were some, there was some creative breakdown, or at least what's been reported, what's been shared, is that there was some creative breakdown between Marvel, Hulu, and the writing staff for that series. But either way, a straight-to-series order for Ghost Rider resulted in that project not even actually moving forward or ever getting made. Similar instance, although I don't think there's really going to be any speculation that Marvel Studios would have had anything to do with this one, 
But New Warriors featuring Squirrel Girl, that was ordered straight to series at Freeform, and then it ultimately didn't get made. I think they shot an episode, maybe, but then it never really moved forward. We never saw that show. Marvel was going to make a Deadpool animated series with Donald Glover for FX, but then there were creative differences apparently between Marvel and Donald Glover, so that show didn't happen. There was Marvel's Most Wanted, which was going to be a spinoff of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for ABC. That ultimately never moved forward. And speaking of ABC, here's why I have doubts. Here's why I have uh, a lot of doubt, Uh, regardless of another Marvel show potentially being in development over there. We have this other information from various trades saying there won't be any further development of whatever else Marvel TV was doing. So that theoretically would kill whatever this ABC project is. But I don't really think it had much life to begin with. Let's run down the list besides Marvel's Most Wanted of just a few projects that ABC and Marvel were developing together that never ultimately materialized. John Ridley was developing a Marvel series for ABC. There was the Damage Control comedy series. There was a female-led series from Alan Heinberg that Marvel was developing for ABC. There was actually another female-led series that we had heard about that had been reported on and rumored that never actually happened, and probably at least a few others that I'm not remembering that didn't actually have names to them yet or didn't have specific creators attached, but suffice to say, ABC has had ample opportunity to increase its business with Marvel Television and to keep it going beyond Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and at just about every opportunity, except for Agent Carter, which then only lasted a couple of seasons, then Inhumans, which lasted one season, outside of those, ABC hasn't really shown real, genuine commitment to putting Marvel programming on its network. And that, by the way, isn't a knock on ABC. I totally understand why ABC hasn't ultimately pulled the trigger on making another Marvel show. They haven't introduced a new Marvel television series since Inhumans in 2017. And I get it when you consider that none of the Marvel shows that have made it on ABC have been massive ratings hits. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a solid enough performer to last for more than a few seasons, but it got through its first few seasons, probably with ABC and Marvel Television looking to get it to a syndication deal after season four, but it kept going beyond that. It got season five, and then it got shortened seasons for season six and season seven, which will be the final season that will air next year. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it was good enough to continue going, and you certainly can't call it a failure. There aren't seven-season failures on, uh, on broadcast networks. They don't last that long if they're failures. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a, it goes down as a success story for Marvel Television, but it's not a massive success story. It's not a triumphant success story. It's solid, but it's not spectacular, and it's not enough to inspire ABC to feel like any Mar- if they're going to make more Marvel Television shows that they've got surefire hits waiting in the wings. It's not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s success has not been enough to give ABC that confidence, especially when you pair that with disappointment, disappointing ratings for Agent Carter as well as in humans. Now, I saw in one of the trades, I think it, it might have been Deadline, where they talked about the Disney Plus series, how that could have been a potential lifeline for Marvel Television, but ultimately Disney turned to Marvel Studios for Disney Plus content. So why did they do that? Why didn't Disney look to Marvel Television to play a bigger part on Disney Plus when that could have perhaps kept Marvel Television in business? And I think the answer to that is simple enough in that Disney needed real hooks to get consumers to subscribe. Marvel Studios has made the MCU the top draw at the box office. It's the biggest franchise in the history of movies that produced the biggest film in the history of the global box office with Avengers Endgame earlier this year. So if you're Disney and you, of course, want Marvel programming, original Marvel programming to offer on Disney+, Plus. It's obvious why you would choose Marvel Studios over Marvel Television. Marvel Studios is the more proven entity when it comes to gaining an audience and keeping them. Marvel Television just hasn't been anywhere near as successful as Marvel Studios in those respects. They haven't really been able to get and sustain an audience. I talked about the so-so ratings for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. 
which included big ratings declines before it eventually leveled out at a place that ABC still thought was acceptable enough uh, for a 10 p.m. time slot when they eventually moved it to that, when it was still on, I think, Tuesdays or Wednesdays before eventually moving it to Fridays for season six and then the upcoming season seven. I would imagine they'll keep it in that same time slot where there are lower expectations for how a show should perform. But then we look at other examples like Cloak and Dagger, when it was canceled after season two earlier this year, we found out that according that it was also reported that the ratings for the show had declined 40% from season two compared to season one. So the audience was moving away. The audience was leaving the show. There were other decline. There were other viewership declines that were reported for the Marvel shows on Netflix. Netflix does not release its numbers. But there was a consensus among third-party analytics firms that a lot of the Marvel shows, in terms of their first-week views from season one to season two to season three, that a lot of those Marvel shows, they were commonly dropping more than 50% in their first-week viewership on Netflix. And then you had a show like Runaways on Hulu, which actually reversed the trend from season one to season two. Its viewership actually went up, at least for the start of the season, But that really didn't mean a whole lot because even the better start to season two, that viewership in the first week of the show, it was 825,000 viewers, which is just not enough. I know that sounds like a lot of people, but you're looking for millions of people to want to watch a show, at least more than one million, not where Runaways was coming in at for Hulu. So the viewership just wasn't there for Runaways, even if it was able to retain most of its audience and actually start to grow its audience. The numbers just haven't been big enough, and I'm sure that played a factor in the decision to end the show once the third season uh, is wrapped up, and of course it starts airing this week. So the Marvel television series that actually made it to air or made it to streaming, some of them got off to hot starts, but none of them were really able to perform well enough over the long haul. And it's also not great that Marvel was losing multiple shows or potential shows that had been ordered straight to series and then ultimately didn't get made. That's not great for Marvel television. But shifting the focus back to the series that actually got made, the shows that actually were brought to air or brought to streaming, if Marvel television cannot produce shows that are able to sustain and and grow an audience, if they're not able to do that, on platforms that people already pay for, that they don't have to spend any additional money in order to be able to access the Marvel programming. So when it's on a free network like ABC or a cable network that people already have in their cable package like Freeform, or it's the Marvel Netflix shows where a lot of people already had their Netflix subscription and so they weren't having to spend any additional money in order to watch the Marvel shows. So people weren't really having to pay extra money for that Marvel television content and yet they still weren't watching. So if you can't count on an audience to be able to watch the stuff using the platforms they already paid for, then there's really no data to suggest that Marvel television, as it had been currently structured, would be able to produce shows that would significantly drive new subscriptions for Disney+, Plus, for which consumers would be spending additional money that's not part of their current cable-slash-streaming budget. Marvel Television just had not shown that they had been able to create real hooks for an audience that would pay dividends for the Walt Disney Company on Disney+. Plus. Marvel Studios was the obvious answer. That was easily the, the division to which Disney should have turned, and of course they did, and rightfully so, because Marvel Television, in an era where it's never been harder to get people to leave the house and spend additional money to watch movies in a theater... Marvel Studios has been able to do that. Marvel Studios has already been able to get audiences to do something that arguably is hard. It's harder to get them to leave the house and go spend money at the theater than it would be to get them to spend uh, another $6.99 a month or less, depending on what annual subscription plan or promotional deal you went with for Disney+. Plus. But you could argue that Marvel Studios has already been a bigger draw at something that was much harder to do. So, of course, they were the best option that Disney had, and that should Marvel Studios should have been the priority option for creating Marvel-based content that would be exclusive to Disney+. Plus. Marvel Studios was easily the top choice over Marvel Television in that respect. So Disney Plus was never really going to be a lifeline for Marvel Television anyway. So Marvel Television was already in trouble. Even without this reorganization, even without the consolidation, 
Marvel Television was in a tough spot. And you could say that perhaps it's because of Marvel Television's struggles that this process is happening in the first place, that there is a need now to consolidate this because Marvel Television just doesn't have enough going. Again, you strip away the shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Runaways that are in their final seasons, and you have Marvel Television, which is down to one live-action series in production and then a handful of animated series that are in production for Hulu. Not talking about Marvel Family Entertainment with the other animated series for the more family stuff, just talking about what Marvel Television was doing, which was one live-action series and a handful of TVMA animated series. That's not enough to really keep the lights on at that division. That's not enough for that division to continue justifying its own existence and existing separately from any other Marvel entity that's producing content for a big or small screen. And there's not really a lot of this that can be blamed on Marvel Studios. I don't know that there's any of this that can really be blamed on Marvel Studios. I mean, Marvel Television got to operate largely on its own. And so the shortcomings of its run, including the series or the content that that division produced, it has to own those shortcomings all by itself. Marvel TV had its own share of creative missteps and misfires. I mean, look at Inhumans, which was just a complete and total failure on the part of just about everybody involved. I mean, that series was just flat out bad. A lot of the seasons of Marvel on Netflix were disappointing. They weren't all as great as those three seasons of Daredevil or the first season of Jessica Jones or the first half of the first season of Luke Cage or even the first season of The Punisher, which was very good. Even though there were success stories, you also had two seasons of Iron Fist, which were subpar. Seasons two and three of Jessica Jones were pretty underwhelming. Marvel TV had its misses, and yes, its success stories as well. I'm a fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I've watched since episode one, and I have continued to watch the show and enjoy the show. But even I can admit that it got off to a bit of a slow start, and that's where it lost a lot of its audience. And I stuck with it, and I'm happy that I did because the show got better. I mean, I think I liked the start of the series more than most did, which maybe is part of the reason why I stuck with it. But I also understand that even though the show got better, how that's not enough. Once an audience decides or, or, or a member of an audience or enough members of the audience decide this isn't for them. And it's actually harder to get back an audience that you've lost than to get that audience in the first place. Because now they have an impression of you and they're not happy with that. They're not going to go back to it. Even if they're hearing great things about it from other people saying that it got better, it's going to be that much more difficult to motivate them to actually give a show another chance. And so Marvel Television has to own some of that. Now, there were success stories. I love the first two seasons of Agent Carter, and I think that show, I don't know how to explain the failure of that show because I thought it was really good, other than the audience just for whatever reason didn't care about that series. Uh, I mentioned the first three seasons of Daredevil. I loved those. First season of Jessica Jones. That was awesome. So there have been some creative successes for Marvel Television, but there have also been enough creative failures to lead us to this point. And the the other point out there of, well, it's the it's the fault of either Marvel Studios or the structuring of Marvel with Marvel Studios moving out from the rest of Marvel back in 2015 and how that created that line of separation. Because when all of this first started, the idea was it's all connected. You had Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. playing, interacting directly with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You had the fallout of Captain America Winter Soldier playing out on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Season 1. In Season 2, you had episodes where they showed how they found Loki's scepter and, and Baron Strucker's base that led, the, that led us to the opening sequence in Avengers Age of Ultron, where Nick Fury's helicarrier came from in that film. All of that, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got to play a part in all of that, and so you had this direct interaction. But Season 2 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., when did that end? That ended in the spring of 2015, which is right around the time Marvel Studios moved out from the rest of Marvel Television or the rest of Marvel Entertainment and Marvel Television stayed behind with Marvel New York. And ever since then, the connection between the movies and the shows, it just got weaker to the point where even the Netflix shows, when they first started, were talking about the incident. You had an episode of the first season of Jessica Jones that was dealing directly with the fallout of the Battle of New York. Those kinds of things went away, and Marvel Television went off on their own. And that allowed them to take the shows in different directions and do their own things because they weren't really worried about preserving or being beholden to the MCU continuity anymore because they really weren't. I don't really think any of those shows 
are ultimately canon with the MCU, except arguably those first two seasons of Agent Carter, those or only two seasons of Agent Carter, and maybe those first two seasons of Agents of Shield. I think everything else, uh, it doesn't really, it just fails to line up with what we know about the MCU and its continuity, its canon. But even so. I don't think the issue with the Marvel shows or the issues with the various Marvel shows that were not successful, I don't think it can all be attributed to those shows not being directly connected to the MCU. Because I think if the shows were stronger on their own creatively, they would still be fine. I think they would have still been able to keep their audience. Because the audience doesn't need everything to be part of the universe in order to tune in. I don't really believe that. Maybe more people would tune in if they were connected to the larger universe, but I think you can get enough of an audience if they still feel like there's a worthwhile show, even if it's a standalone show. If it's good enough, the audience will tune in. It's not like we're looking across the board at these various Marvel television shows after the past over the past several years and saying these were all critical darlings that just weren't able to attract an audience. So the quality was not consistent from one show to the next or from one season to the next of the same show. I think those kinds of issues had much more to do with the struggles of Marvel television than a weak or non-existent connection to the MCU. So even though Marvel Studios is absorbing Marvel television, even though Kevin Feige is taking over creative on Marvel television, that it's all being folded into one banner, that doesn't mean that Marvel Studios or the MCU are to blame for what's happening. To be clear, I'm just talking about the assignment of blame. I'm not trying to say that no one is allowed to be upset by this. If you're a fan of Marvel television, and I am a fan of Marvel television, there's nothing wrong with being upset by these developments. If perhaps you've enjoyed Marvel television being a separate division and working on things that maybe Marvel Studios wasn't going to touch or wasn't going to work on, at any point in the near or foreseeable future, I understand all of that. And there's nothing wrong with being upset by these developments, by the situation. But there is a difference between not liking the situation versus assigning blame to the wrong place or to the wrong people. Yes, Marvel Television has its fans. I'm one of them. I haven't watched everything. I didn't keep up with Runaways past the first season. I gave up on Cloak and Dagger after about three or four episodes. I never finished the second season of Iron Fist, but I've watched pretty much everything else. I've seen every episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I watched every episode of Agent Carter. I watched every episode of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, The Defenders, Punisher. I even watched all eight episodes of The Inhumans. I am a fan of Marvel television, but I also recognize the reality that these series just didn't perform, that they were not able to develop and then maintain a large enough following to continue and to create new opportunities for new Marvel television shows for this division to continue existing in its current form. And I also acknowledge or I can also see that there were the there were creative issues with some of these shows. They weren't all great. And that creative inconsistency also led us to the situation where we're in right now. So whether it's the creative missteps or just the cold, hard numbers related to viewership, either way, Marvel Television just didn't do enough to continue uh, to justify continuing to exist as we've known it over the past several years. And that doesn't mean that anyone has to be happy about the outcome, but it's certainly not the fault of anyone outside of Marvel Television that any of this is happening. And that's not to say that Marvel Television, that they all failed at their jobs. That's just the way it goes. When you are part of a creative entity and you are making these shows, you have to take big swings. And sometimes you're going to connect and sometimes you're going to miss. We're a little bit spoiled on the Marvel Studios side because... We have this unprecedented streak of critical and financial success from one film to the next from Marvel Studios that it makes us think that that it's always supposed to be this way or that this is the expectation that you would be this consistent from a creative and, and business perspective. And that's actually just not the norm. I mean, Marvel Studio or Marvel Television having some hits and having some misses, that's normal. That's usually the way that it goes. I think the biggest problem might have been that the hits that Marvel Television enjoyed 
weren't big enough, didn't last long enough to cover up or compensate for the misses that this division had because there were some absolute home runs with Daredevil, with I think a lot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and with Agent Carter, even though it wasn't credited as a success story because it was canceled after two seasons. Creatively, I thought it was there, but that's just the way it went for Marvel Television is that the hits were solid, but not spectacular enough to make people forget about the misses. And I think that's what's led us to the situation where we're at right now. And speaking of which, what can we expect to happen now? What's going to happen now that we are seeing this consolidation? We know what to expect or not expect from Marvel Television in its current form, since that's going away. But what does this mean for Marvel Studios? What are they going to do with small screen content? Now that Kevin Feige's in charge of all of that creatively, where does Marvel Studios go from here? We already know that the top priority is Disney+. Plus. That's the present and future centerpiece of Disney's business. And so, of course, any division of the Walt Disney Company that produces content, or at least for the small screen for right now, any any division that produces content for the small screen is going to have Disney Plus as its top priority. And Marvel Studios will be no different. So we know what to expect. We know that they're doing live-action series that are tied directly into the MCU with WandaVision and Loki and other ser- the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Other series that have been announced, we know what to expect from Marvel Studios. Well, we don't know what the shows are going to be like just yet, but we at least have the titles. We have some idea of what to expect from Marvel Studios in terms of live-action content on Disney Plus for animation. We know that Marvel Television is making What If for Disney+, and it's not canon with the MCU, but it plays with the canon, with the mythology of the MCU. I'm not sure if on the animation front there's going to be anything else that's part of or plays with the canon of the MCU. I don't know if there's anything else that we will see like that on Disney+, Plus or anywhere else, but we can certainly expect Marvel Animation to keep going. Now, Marvel Family Entertainment... The leader of that group, Court Lane, is actually expected to leave the company, but I don't think that means, even as there's consolidation happening there, I wouldn't expect to stop seeing Marvel content on places like Disney XD or Disney Junior. I at least wouldn't expect any of that to happen immediately, maybe long term. A lot of that stuff, a lot of that stuff goes to Disney Plus, but perhaps non-MCU animation can still be on Disney XD and on Disney Junior and perhaps also be on Disney+. Plus. We know there was a project that was just announced a few months ago at D23 Expo, Spidey and His Amazing Friends. That was announced for Disney Junior. There's been no indication that that show is going to go away. And then we'll just have to see what happens with respect to animation. But in terms of live action... Will Marvel Studios or Marvel Television under Marvel Studios, although I think it's all just Marvel Studios at this point, will Marvel Studios produce anything, any small screen content outside of Disney Plus besides Hellstrom, which really is a Marvel Television production that's just being folded into Marvel Studios? So we know that's going to happen at Hulu, but how long is that going to last? Is it now going to be a limited series and be a one season engagement? Will it have the opportunity, if it's successful, to keep going? But Given the success rate of Marvel television shows, I don't know. I'm not necessarily expecting it to be a massive hit that keeps going for several seasons. We'll see what ends up happening with Hellstrom. But outside of that, now that Marvel Studios is the sole operation for producing big and small screen content, are they going to do anything for live action outside of Disney Plus? And I think there's the potential that they might, particularly on Hulu or FX. Now, It's also worth noting that FX is going to be producing original series for Hulu, so maybe FX and Marvel Studios will be working together on some projects. We know what Netflix used to do with Marvel Television, it was TVMA series. Disney Plus is not going to have TVMA or R-rated content. We already know that Deadpool is eventually going to end up being on Hulu, not Disney Plus, because it's R-rated. So if Marvel Studios wants to make R-rated movies and or TVMA series, Hulu is the place for that. Obviously, R-rated movies would be in theaters first, theoretically, and then make their way to Hulu. But for TVMA series, if Marvel Studios has any interest in that, and I don't know if they would be directly or partially or at all connected to the, the MCU proper. Maybe they wouldn't be. 
But if Marvel Studios wants to make TVMA series, then Hulu feels like a natural home for that. Perhaps Hulu and FX, or or on Hulu, but via FX, if FX becomes a partner with Marvel Studios on some TVMA series. I could see something like that happening. I don't really see... Marvel Studios doing a lot for Freeform or some of the other ABC-owned networks. I don't really see that happening. I think between I think Disney Plus and Hulu slash FX would be higher priorities, and that's maybe where we would find some TV MA series if Marvel makes if Marvel Studios makes any. But what about ABC? I mentioned before. I mean, it's been years since ABC committed to a new Marvel show. It's been a long time. There've been all kinds of things that have been in development but no real commitment from ABC to stay in business with Marvel outside of keeping Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. going. And Kevin Feige's already talked about previously the issues that boil down to just logistics, scheduling, uh, the, the different needs of a network television series versus the Marvel Studios movie operation that have, been, that have actually also been partly to blame for the Marvel shows not interacting more with the Marvel movies. And so if there's going to be a series on ABC, then they would want 13 to 22 episodes, more likely 22. That's what they had for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But then again, maybe they would go shorter seasons of 13 like they've done more recently with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But in either scenario, network TV is a little more rigid in terms of how many episodes they want, exactly how long each of those episodes need to be, and the frequency with which new episodes much, uh, must be delivered. Those are the kinds of things that seem unappealing to Marvel Studios. I think what they love about Disney Plus and the reason why they feel comfortable having those series be so directly connected with the movies is they can schedule it as they want to. There's a lot more flexibility for them to figure out, here's the series we're going to have. And by the way, it doesn't necessarily need to be three, four, five, six, seven seasons of WandaVision. We can, do, we can do one season of WandaVision at a specific time for a specific story to be told that will also connect to another specific story or some other specific stories being told. And the very next year, we're not necessarily doing WandaVision season two. Maybe they'll do another WandaVision series later on down the line, but the very next year, it's not necessarily season one, two, and three of the same things repeating over and over and over again every single year. You have WandaVision, Loki, and Hawkeye in 2021, and then maybe 2022. It's not second seasons of those shows. It's first seasons or first series or just one single one-off limited series of Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, She-Hulk. I think Marvel Studios really likes having that flexibility, and I think that flexibility is a key component of these series being able to tie directly into the movies and so that's something that abc that kind of flexibility is something abc can't really offer marvel studios under the traditional structure and the expectations of a series i mentioned runtimes as well look at something like the mandalorian on disney plus right now where we heard about the show being an hour we've heard about the marvel shows being hour-long episodes but here's the thing they're going to be as long as they need to be on a per episode basis you don't have to time it to the commercials that have already been sold on the network. You don't have to worry about any of that. If you have, if you write an hour-long script for an episode, but then you shoot it, and maybe it comes in after editing comes in, this only needs to be 45 minutes, okay. Or this only needs to be 50 minutes, okay. This one actually ran longer than we scripted it, and actually it needs to be 68 minutes. Okay, fine. You can do all of those things. The network structure is just a lot more rigid than what they can do on streaming. And I think Marvel Studios really enjoys that flexibility. And I think it's a key component for them. Now, there are alternatives to this. If they want something to be in the MCU, then what they could do is they could have limited series on ABC, event series, mini series on ABC, one night only, two nights only, three nights at whatever it is. If ABC can offer the kind of flexibility that Marvel Studios is going to enjoy on Disney Plus and perhaps also on Hulu, then maybe Marvel Studios can make space for ABC for in-canon MCU stories. That could happen, but even if you let go of the rigid network requirements and all of the logistics and those kinds of things, even if you throw those out the window, is ABC going to want to spend as much money? And is Disney going to want to have ABC, because Disney owns ABC, are they going to be as comfortable with spending as much money on an MCU show that's going to be broadcast for free on ABC when they could spend that money on a show that would be exclusive to Disney Plus and encourage more paid subscriptions? It's much harder for Disney to justify 
the big spend. And I think Marvel Studios would want that. I don't think they want to, if it's going to be in canon with the MCU, they don't want to do it on the cheap. They want something that visually can be comparable to the level of quality, the level of production value that audiences have come to expect based on Marvel movies and will come to expect based on the Disney Plus series. Marvel isn't going to want to sacrifice that. So there, it would still be a big spend. Can Disney slash ABC justify that big of a spend on a Marvel show that airs for free as opposed to something that's going to be behind a paywall like Disney Plus? I don't really know that they can. And so I think there's there are some legitimate hurdles. There are some big obstacles that would prevent in-canon MCU stories from ever really playing a part on ABC. So then the next thing you turn to are Marvel Studios shows or shows that Marvel Studios would produce that are not part of the MCU. They can exist in their own world, in their own universe, perhaps with reduced budget expectations. And because they're not going to interact with the MCU proper on Disney Plus or in the in the movies that are in theaters, if they're not going to do that, then they can just be in their own world and they can survive as television-only entities that don't have to worry about tie-ins and they can fit within and they can have stories told within the structures that ABC would want for a television show or expect for a television show of 13 episodes a year, 22, whatever the number is. And if it's successful to have a brand new season of that same show with the same characters every single year for a handful of years or more, if Marvel Studios wants to make a show like that for ABC, then I suppose we could see we could actually see it. Maybe there will be more Marvel live action content on ABC. It'll actually happen, but I still have a hard time actually seeing it right now. Because I, I think it brings up a lot of the same questions or a lot of the same issues that Marvel Television in its current form already has. If it's not going to be part of the MCU, then it really has to be able to stand on its own. And I already said, I mean, I already made the argument that the shows don't have to be connected to the MCU in order to survive. It helps, but it's not necessarily essential if the show is good enough while standing on its own. But even if you believe the creative quality is there, and it can be there, there's still that question for ABC because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for most of its existence has stood on its own and has actually been fairly well-reviewed with the consensus being that seasons two through six have actually been pretty decent seasons of Marvel television, and yet the audience wasn't really tuning in or not a big enough audience was tuning in. So I think there is that question, and I think it's a question that ABC has been asking themselves and ultimately saying no to or answering with no over the past several years is that they don't believe that these Marvel shows, if they're done, if they don't have the budgets that are comparable to the movies, if they, cause it's not just about the continuity of things. I just think it's about the overall quality and the way that these shows look and feel regardless of whether or not the stories tie into the movies or not, or the Disney plus series if the overall quality level of the shows doesn't seem comparable to what audiences are already getting elsewhere on Disney Plus or in, in movie theaters or on Hulu or FX, if that if the quality doesn't feel comparable, regardless of the continuity issues, regardless of the canon, audiences are probably going to tune out. So you could have a show that maybe gets some decent reviews like or better, as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has had, for I think, for most of its existence. You could have that happen. And yet the audience still doesn't tune in because there's also some branding issues with what the audience has come to expect from Marvel content on the small screen, which hasn't necessarily, especially Marvel content that's not tied to the MCU, the reputation of that right now isn't in a great spot. So that's a hurdle that you would have to overcome or that you would have to consider if you're ABC in deciding whether or not you want to invest in these Marvel shows. But I think that all points to the biggest obstacle here is that there's a lot of reasons why Marvel Studios wouldn't necessarily be interested in ABC, and there's also a lot of reasons why ABC doesn't seem to be and hasn't really been all that interested in Marvel Studios. So if you have two sides with neither one really interested in pursuing that relationship all that much, then it's probably not going to work out, or that's a huge hurdle to get over for there to be more small screen Marvel content on ABC. Maybe it will happen, but I think there are a lot of issues standing in the way of that. So I have my doubts about additional Marvel series on ABC, but what we'll see. Maybe I'll end up being wrong about that. But for now, it feels like a long shot to me. Okay, so after going over what the situation looks like now or what it may look like in the years to come in the near future, 
how do I see all of this? Well, I mean, I mainly see an upside to this because you could say that it's quality over quantity in terms of not having Marvel in as many places as we've had over the past several years. But it actually, to me, feels more like quality and and quantity. It feels like both to me because when you look at the situation, we're going to have one new live-action series from Marvel Studios in 2020 – the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus compared to one from Marvel Television, Hellstrom on Hulu. But then when you fast forward to 2021, we're going to have at least three new, not counting the animated what if, but just for live action, we're going to have three new series from Marvel Studios on Disney Plus with WandaVision, Loki, and Hawkeye. And I don't know that Marvel Television would have produced not ju- not new seasons of television, but brand new series. I don't know that Marvel Television would have given us three new series in the same year in 2021, especially with the Netflix relationship having ended. I don't think that was all that likely. I guess maybe it could have happened on Hulu, but I have my doubts based on the way things had been going. And we're probably going to have at least three more Marvel Studios shows, three more live action series that are going to be introduced in 2022. We don't have specific dates for them yet, but we know about Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and She-Hulk because they were announced at D23 Expo back in August. And maybe one of those shows sneaks into 2021, and that just means four live-action Marvel series from Marvel Studios on Disney Plus in 2021. But if that happens, then there's probably going to be one or two additional shows that have not been announced yet that will be on Disney Plus in 2022. So we're getting a lot more new series focusing on a lot more characters and actual superhero characters and superhero stories. We're getting a lot more of that via Marvel Studios on, Marvel Studios on Disney Plus than we've ever really had uh, from the previous era or the previous iteration of Marvel Television that's coming to an end. So yeah, it does. It stinks for those who were fans of Marvel TV in its current form that is going away. But the rest of the audience, it it just wasn't there. Marvel TV had its own share of creative missteps and perhaps a few on the business side as well. Meanwhile, Marvel Studios has flourished, and so. To bring this all together, I would just say that, look, this isn't about brand loyalty, and it's not ex- it's not about executive loyalty either. I know there's a lot of talk about that, that there's too much brand loyalty within fandom and all of those kinds of things. And I'll just say for myself, as a Marvel Studios fan, as a Marvel Television fan, as just a Marvel fan who hosts a Marvel Studios or MCU-themed podcast that also has talked about and covered Marvel Television as somebody who writes about this stuff talks about this stuff on a regular basis. Yes, I'm a fan, but I'm not a fan just because the the logo looks cool. Yes, I'm a fan of Kevin Feige, but not because he has an awesome hat collection. It's not about that. It's about track record. And Marvel Studios' track record is second to none. Kevin Feige's personal track record as a producer is second to none. It is undeniable in my mind. Of course, it's all subjective and reasonable minds can disagree. But as I see it, Marvel Studios has undeniably been better and more consistent with their storytelling, with the creative and and just overall quality of the projects that they have created, that they have brought to screen. They have been better at it than Marvel Television. They've been better at it than, than any division of any studio in town for the past several years. And there's no one more qualified to lead creative on Marvel projects on the big and small screen than Kevin Feige. And again, that's not about brand loyalty. That's not executive loyalty. It's a simple observation and acknowledgement of a remarkable run of high-quality storytelling with unprecedented consistency that Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige have delivered for over 11 years and counting. And that's where I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you follow us in all the places that you can. So marvelstudiosnews.com is our website. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News. You can follow us on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. You can follow Paul on Twitter. He's normally here with me, and he should be back for our next episode. That's at Herman22 with two N's. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. And don't forget to check out our Patreon for exclusive content. So for all of that information, please visit patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So for Marvel Studios News, I'm Sean Gerber. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 